Thank you for joining us for today's Practical Living broadcast, and I pray that through this message that you will learn how to apply God's Word and truths to any situation in your life. Stay with us as we discover God's truths that will transform us. Tonight on this New Year's Eve, I want to talk to you for a few moments about a choice to change. Would you say that with me? A choice to change. When we enter into a brand new year, it's a new opportunity for us. It's very interesting that in the Bible, God actually establishes seasons. He establishes years for the people of Israel and often calls, calls His people to think about the beginnings of new years, new times, new seasons. Because with every new season comes new opportunities. And I would remind you, as we're now on the eve of this new year, 2024, that 2024 is going to provide you some incredible opportunities And you'll need to choose how you're going to respond to the opportunities that come your way this year. And that's the focus, the choice that you'll have related to opportunities God will give you. And so if you're going to benefit from the choices and benefit from the opportunities, you have to make some changes in your life. And change is not always easy. Change can be very difficult. It's hard to break out of old patterns and start new patterns, but to have a new year and actually have a new year, not just a calendar year, but actually experience a new year, we need to be new people. Would you agree with me? We need some new things in our life. We need to change in certain ways. And this whole idea of change, we have to understand that change isn't automatic. Change requires really initiative on your part. It has to be something that is intentional that you actually do. And real change, that truly the kind of change that changes your life, is never external. It's always, it always starts internally. It's never circumstantial. A lot of people say, well, I'll, get, I'll have a better life if I can just change my circumstances. And oftentimes, circumstances will change, and they will still be the same old person. Or they might say, and I've heard this, it seems like a million times, well, pastor, I need a change of life. I'm going to move to fill in the blank, some new place some new town, some new city. I want to start fresh and start again. So I'm seeking a geographic change for my life. And the problem when you move from one geographic location to the next is you take yourself with you. And so you arrive at this new place, you get a new house, maybe a new job, but you're the same old person because nothing has really changed on the inside. The Apostle Paul reminds us in a number of places, as does Christ and all the other disciples do, and the New Testament teachings of the importance of choosing to change from the inside out. Not outside in, but inside out. Paul talks about this in 2 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 1. Let me read this verse for you. Notice the emphasis upon change, the emphasis upon our responsibility to choose change in our lives. Dear friends, talking to us, We have these promises from God. He's reflecting back on chapter 6, some of the promises he's outlined there for them, and now he's moving to a different thought here in chapter 7, verse 1. Dear friends, we have these promises from God, so we should make ourselves pure. Please notice that phrase, make ourselves pure. So he's placing some responsibility on each one of us. Free from anything that makes our body or our soul, not just your body, not just your soul, but your body and your soul unclean. So Paul says, you and I need to do some work, put some work in to make ourselves pure in our physical body and in our soul. And he goes on to say, our respect for God should make us try to be completely holy in the way that we live. And so Paul is emphasizing that change requires effort. 
It's not going to happen automatically. It will not happen like the Cinderella story at midnight, suddenly we change. The clock's going to strike 12 in just a few hours, and that's not going to change you. It'll change the date on your calendar, but it's not going to change you unless you put some of the effort, some of the work in. Now, here's the good news. As believers in Christ, when you and I make the choice to change and we start putting the effort in, God helps us accomplish change in our lives. And that's what he says in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 22, excuse me, 23 and 24. He says, we pray that God himself, the God of peace, will make you pure. So in chapter 7 of 2 uh, Corinthians 1, he told us to make ourselves pure. Now he's saying that God will make you pure, belonging only to him. We pray that your whole self, spirit, soul, and body will be kept safe and blameless when our Lord Jesus Christ comes. The one who chose you will do that for you. You can trust him. And so we see this, this combined effort. We put our work in, and God then works with us to accomplish change in our lives. You and I cannot change ourselves on the inside without God's help. Would you agree with that? You need God's help to change. Now, Paul talks again about his own life in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, where he's describing this struggle, this, this work to change, what he had to bring to the table if change was going to happen. And he describes this in verse 24. He says, you know that in a race all the runners run, but only one runner gets the prize. So run like that, run to win. So Paul says, let me describe a runner in a race. Everybody who lines up for the race, they're all runners, but not everyone gets the first place trophy. Not everyone is the winner. And so he says, you and I need to run this race to win. We need to put all the effort in. Then in verse 25, all who compete in the games use strict training. They do this so that they can win a prize, one that doesn't last. But our prize is one that will last forever. So I run like someone who has a goal. Paul says, I am running with all of my effort, all of my energy. I have the goal to win the race. To be the person God wants me to be. He says, I fight like a boxer who is hitting something, not just the air, not just shadow boxing. It is my own body I fight to make it do what I want. I do this so that I won't miss getting the prize myself after telling others about it. Paul says, I want to make sure that when I stand before Jesus, I have put the work in that I've needed to put in while God works with me so that I can be the person that God wants me to be. I want to run to win. I want to fight the fight to win. And what I would say to you and I this eve of a brand new year is that God has some changes for your life this year. And the changes aren't going to start months ahead of uh, months from now, but the changes need to start now. And they start in you by you making some decisions in your life. I'm going to break down for you seven decisions, seven things that you need to do in your life if you really want to change and be the person God wants you to be. If you do not do these seven things, what will happen is this. You will go through the next 12 months, and you'll end the next 12 months the same, basically the same person you are right now. And I'm sure that none of us want that. I want to make sure that by the time I finish these next 12 months that I'm a different man. How about you? I want to make sure that by the end of these next 12 months, I'm a better lover of God and worshiper of God, a servant of God and disciple of Jesus. I want to make sure that in these next 12 months, I come out at the end a better husband. I want to make sure I come out a better father, a better grandfather. 
I hope and pray that I'll come out a better pastor to you after these 12 months, but it's not going to happen automatically or magically. It's going to happen if I run the race the right way. If I put my effort in, I can be assured of the fact that God will put his work into my life, but there's something I must do. There's something that we all must do if we're going to change. Here are the seven things that are necessary. The first thing is, that is essential is you've got to choose the right priorities for your life. Why is this valuable? Because you go after what's important to you. You pursue those things that are important to you. You have the power to choose what's important to you. God gave you the choice You can choose, these are the things that are going to be important to me in 2024. And you can choose, this is important, this is not. So you'll make the decision whether spending time with God this year is going to be important to you or not. You'll choose this year whether attending church regularly will be important to you or not. You'll you'll make that choice. Nobody else, you'll make it. You'll make a choice this year whether you want to give to God in your finances or serve God with your physical skills and talents. You'll make those choices. You'll make the choice this year in terms of what investment you'll make in your family. You'll make a choice this year in terms of how you will deal with your own physical health and your own physical body. You will make those choices this year, and it relates to what's really important to you. And sadly, very sadly, most people never take time to evaluate their priorities. They never really think about what's important to me. And you can only change in your life what has a priority of change in your life. If you have no priority to change something, it will never change. And so as you go into 2024, can I ask you simply to think about with me, what's going to be important to you this year? It's worth your life to sit down, perhaps tonight or tomorrow, and to write out, these are the things that will be important to me in 2024. These are my priorities for this year. The second thing is you must make the right commitments. This is a choice that you will make. Let me talk about commitments and priorities. Let me link these two together just for a moment. Your priorities are only priorities if you act on them. A lot of people will say, my family's important to me, or God's important to me, or whatever it may be. They can articulate something they will declare is important to to them, but their actions say something very different. They may say it, but they're not actually living it. So priorities are actually proven by actions, not by your words. Your priorities are revealed by what you invest in, what you invest your time and your treasure and your talents. And these are the things that say, this is important to me. It's what you're committed to. I know that my family is a priority to me if I make a commitment by giving my family time, or I know that God is a priority to me if I give time to God and my treasure and talents to God. I know that church is a priority to me if I make a commitment to it. That is, I'm saying, you know, this is not only going to be what I say, it's going to be actually what I do. And every commitment involves what you include and it involves what you exclude. If you make a commitment to include God in your life, you're going to exclude some other things from your life. If you make a commitment to, to, to include your family in your life, you're going to have to exclude some other things in your life. Why? Because you can't do everything. So you can only do what will be important to you, and it's revealed by your commitments. And so change involves establishing your priorities, yes, articulating them, but then also declaring what your commitments are going to be. I am committed to this in my life. So that's the first two things. You'll never change 
if you haven't evaluated your priorities, if you haven't taken a look at what you're committed to. Here's the third thing. This is where the rubber meets the road. You then have to make the choice to build the right habits in your life. Because you can say, hey, this is my priority. This is important to me, and I'm really committed to it. But if you don't establish some habit patterns, you're never going to see these things become reality in your life. And the time to do that, as I said a moment ago, is not later. It's not February or March. It's now. It's now. Now is the time to do it. And commitments are always fulfilled by habits that you make. It's by making a habit of saying, I'm going to get up in the morning. If you, made a, if you say that your time with God is, is a priority for you and you're going to be committed to it, then you make a habit in your life that at a certain time in your life, you habitually are saying, this is, what I'm, this is the time I'm setting aside, and you actually begin to do it. Now, any habit that you begin to form in your life is always difficult when you first start it. It's not easy to change your habits. But eventually, over a period of time, if you continue to do that habit, it will become automatic to you. It will become a part of your life. And this is where real change begins to occur. This is a very important message for us to understand because this is how real change actually happens in a person's life. I'm going to habitually begin to do some things that I'm not doing now that I need to do that will reveal my commitment to my priority. Are you tracking with me tonight? Okay. So you build the right habits into your life. And in building those habits, then those things begin, begin to be automatic as a part of you. Here's the next thing that's essential. It may not initially make sense, but it's going to make sense as I explain it to you. You have to make the choice to develop your awareness. Awareness is the, I'm talking primarily about self-awareness in your life, the ability to evaluate where you are at any given moment and things that continue to need to grow and change in your life. Awareness is paying attention to your own thoughts and your own words and your own actions and be able to evaluate, am I really doing what I said I wanted to do? I said this was my priority, and I said I was committed to this, but am I really doing it? So being aware instead of somebody else having to draw your attention to a a failed commitment in your life, you draw your own attention to the failed commitments in your life, and you're aware of where you need to improve. This This is the key to growth, because you can't go through life always depending upon somebody else to be there to get you on the right track. You have to adjust yourself on the journey, and to adjust yourself on the journey, you have to be aware when you're not doing it, when you're not on the journey. So this is called self-awareness. And this self-awareness also begins to make you properly aware of other people as well, so you can minister to needs in their life. And this is extremely important. Psychologists have studied this whole idea of self-awareness, and they found that in our culture today, in our culture today, listen closely, in our culture today, about 10 out of 100 people have any meaningful level of self-awareness. You know how most people live? They live externally looking at the world around them. Well, if this situation would change, I would be better. If that person would change, I would be better. And they do very little reflection and say, you know, maybe I need to change so that life would be better. And so self-awareness turns the attention away from your circumstances and away from other people back onto yourself to say, what can I do? Because, dear ones, understand something. I know that you know this, but it's a reminder as we start a brand new year. There are many circumstances that will come your way in in your life that you will never have any control over. 
You cannot control them. Okay? You can't control everything that happens to you. You can't control the circumstances of your life and every situation that will come your way. And, and you, you just can't, and you, you, there's no way to. And you can't control how people are going to behave in your life. You can't control other people, what they're going to do or not do. But there's one thing you can control, and that is you, your reaction and your response to the world around you. And you will never adjust that unless you're fully aware of it. And then the next thing, number five. These are five choices that you make. Make the choice in 2024 to always turn your failures into fertilizer. Okay? Got that? Because you're going to go through the year and you're going to make, you made mistakes in 2023, did you? Anybody? Yeah, we all did, right? And so guess what? You're going to make some more in 2024. But in 2024, I'm not going to let my mistakes just sort of slip past me if I, if and when, not if, but when I make a mistake. I want to grab that mistake and say, what can I learn from this? I, I said that was my priority and I said that was my commitment, but I failed in my habits in some way. And so now that I've failed in this area, what, what, what can I learn from my failures? This is called getting an education. And the way you get an education is you always pay for it. And you will pay for it by learning from your mistakes or learning from the mistakes of others. And I've observed over the years many, many people who've gone through significant failures in life, but many of them who've recovered from their failures by learning lessons from their failures that have made them stronger and made them better. And this year, you're going to go through similar things as well. Make sure that you turn all of your failures into fertilizer. Out of your failure, make sure that something of growth comes from your life. Do not waste your failures. Can I get an amen right there? Do not waste your failures. Do not waste your failures. Turn them into something good. Then number six, here's the choice you have to make this year. If you're going to grow, you're going to change. Anybody want to grow and change this year? Oh, you don't? You want to just stay the same? I say, right? Okay. Anybody want to grow and change this year? Okay. You want to grow? Here's the next thing. Choose to always be grateful that whatever happens in your life, you're going to always be grateful. Don't let your gratitude and don't let your praise be stolen from you. Don't let anything take your gratitude away and don't let anything take your praise away because the devil will work overtime to try to steal your praise. The devil will work overtime to make you a grumbler, someone who's discontented about life. Why? Because if he gets you in that, that, that hold, if you will, just think of a wrestler getting someone on the mat and he holds you down with grumbling and complaining and discontentment about life and he has you right where he wants you because you've now taken yourself out of the battle. You've taken yourself out of the, out of the pathway of service to God in some measure because you're, you're grumbling and you're frustrated about life and this is why it's so important to, 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 to refuse to allow the enemy to keep you from being grateful to keep you from being a person of praise. So when it's, even when it's hard, give God praise. When it's good, give God praise. But when it's not so good, give God praise. Live in this attitude of saying, in everything, I will give thanks because this is God's will for me. It's God's will for my life because grateful people are in the best position for blessing. Grateful people are in the best position for recovery. Grateful people are in the best position for building stronger relationships. 
and grateful people, listen closely, are in the best position for promotions in their life. If you lose your gratitude, you're sacrificing a lot of valuable things in your life. So let's review where, we, where we've been so far. What's the first decision? Choose to make sure you've got the right parties. Nobody's going to do that for you. You've got to do it for yourself, okay? And then once you know your priorities, choose to do what? Make the right commitments. I'm going to commit to it. And then what you, must you choose to do? Build the right habits. Now I've got to build the habits. Then I'm going to develop my awareness. So I'm thinking about it's not other people. It's not circumstances. If I get off track, I need to look at me, okay? And then you turn your failures into, into fertilizer, you keep the attitude of gratitude in your life. Here's the last thing. This year in 2024, make sure you're living for the glory of God this year. Okay. Live for the pleasure of God this year. Now, that was a fairly weak uh, applause, so I think we ought to do that together. Okay, Live for the glory of God. Okay, Live for the glory of God. See, we live for the pleasure of something. Did you know that? You're motivated in life. We're all motivated, generally speaking, by pleasure or pain. Those are the two things that have the highest capacity to motivate us, pleasure or pain. And most of us live for some kind of pleasure and the avoidance of certain kinds of pain in our life. Sometimes we live for the pleasure of ourselves. I just want to please me, so I'll be happy, okay? Which, by the way, is a very superficial way to live. If all you're living for is you, I mean, you're going to be a lonely person. Okay? Sometimes we're living to please just some person in our life that really we're trying to get the approval of in some way. So we're always living to please them. And so we never quite arrive there. And so there's always this hunger inside of us. The greatest thing that you can do in, in your life, that I can do in my life, is to live to please God. Okay? How can I live in 2024 in a manner that says, God, I am motivated by one thing and one thing only. I want to bring you pleasure every day of my life. I don't want to wait until I get to heaven to hear, well done, good and faithful servant. I want to lay my head on the pillow every night and hear the Holy Spirit say, well done, good and faithful servant. Now let's get up tomorrow and do it all over again. Amen? Okay? So live, choose to live for the glory of God. Let that be the motivation of your life. We're on the eve. In just a few moments, the clock is going to strike midnight, and we're going to flip our calendars. Our phones are going to change, and it's going to say January 1, 2020. For. Can you believe that? And we say, I'm in a new year. But the question is not, are you in a new year? Are you going to be a new you in the new year? That's the question. Will I be a new you in the new year? And if you choose to do the right things, God will come along beside you and he'll help you make the changes in your life. Would you bow your heads with me as we pray? Lord, we're so very grateful for the opportunity that we've had to study or to reflect on this New Year's Eve as we're preparing for a brand new year. We ask you'll help us to make the right choices this year that will result in the changes that you want us to experience in our lives. And may we live for your honor and may we live for your glory. 
We ask it in your name. I would like to close today by giving you an opportunity to ask Jesus to be the Lord of your life. Would you pray with me right now? Right where you are, just simply bow your head with me and I'm going to give you a prayer to pray and you can simply speak this prayer out, whisper this prayer out and from the sincerity of your heart, call upon God and I promise you that He will hear and answer you. So let's pray together. Start by simply whispering the name Jesus. Let there come uh, from your heart just the declaration of His name. Say, Jesus... I know that that I am a sinner, that I have fallen short with you. I'm sorry for all of my sins. Jesus, I believe in you. I believe that you are God's Son. I believe that you are the Savior of the world. I believe that you died on the cross for my sins. And I believe that you rose from the grave, that you are alive today. Now pray these words. Say, Lord Jesus, come into my heart. Come into my life. Forgive me of my sins. Give me a new start in you. I commit my life to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Now if you prayed that prayer with me, I want to encourage you with a promise from God's Word that says that when we call upon God's name, we call upon the Son of God, there is salvation that comes to our lives. He changes us from the inside out, and you become a new creation. All things pass away, all things become new. And that's exactly what has happened to you today. Your next step really is to make sure that you get into a good Bible-believing church. And you begin to study God's Word, get God's Word in you, and to make sure that you get a copy of the Bible if you don't have one and begin to read it. Spend some time every day in prayer. And I would encourage you also to check out the resources on our website that will help you to get going in your relationship with Jesus. You can find them at church-redeemer.org. Get those into your hands. Get started in your new life with Jesus Christ. Thanks again for joining us today. May God bless you, and we look forward to seeing you next time.